Taylor and uh, let me join in with uh, Trey and saying thank you uh, for loving uh, our us and our family and just uh, thank you so much for your encouragement mostly for your prayers this uh, this for us we we couldn't do it without your prayers and your support and your love and <clears throat> promised land has always been very uh, generous to uh, her pastors. Go ahead and open your Bibles this morning to the book of Luke, chapter 7. 
All right, let's all stand for the reading of God's holy word. Looking at the subject, the dead will live again. The very first resurrection that Jesus performs. He performed three of them in his ministry. This is the first one. And it came to pass, Luke seven eleven. the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him and much people. And when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the bier, and they that bare him and stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. And there came a fear on all, and they glorified God, saying, That a great prophet has risen up among us, and that God hath visited his people. And this rumor of him went forth throughout all Judea and throughout all the region round about. Father, I thank you for the reading of your word. May you bless the message because it's from you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing and looking at the subject that uh, on, we'll just, the title says the dead will live again. But before the dead can live again, we have to have a death. And uh, the reality is, is that there is such thing as death. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that. There's also the reality of life after death. And then there's also a reality of even a second death. And some things that we need to be think seriously of. Now, there's a lot of hope in this story. There's a, it's very exciting. The other two times that Jesus raised the dead were, of course, Jairus' daughter. He was a ruler of the Jews. And uh, just a great story when he went in there and he raised that little girl up off her, off her bed. And then, of course, the, the most famous one where we get the shortest verse in the Bible, John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. That's right before, of course, Jesus raised Lazarus from the grave where he, he said, hey, Lazarus, come forth. This is, there's only three recorded instances, <clears throat> and he might have done more that we don't know about. Uh, there's a lot of things written or not written that Jesus did. And, uh, but we do have these three recorded times that he raised the dead. And then, of course, his very most famous one is he, uh, he himself was raised by the power of God out of, out of the grave and uh, Jesus Christ. So his father raised him from the grave. So there is such thing as death. We're all going to die. In I call the first part a troubling funeral. And there's a... Uh, very interesting facts we can learn from these two verses, these very first two verses, is that all of these things are happening back to back. Remember, the verses 1 through 10 was what we covered last 
Sunday morning, and it was the great story of the healing of the centurion servant. And notice it says, and it came to pass the day after. So according to this, this is back to back. And what we're going to see is, is that two people later on, we're going to see two people that got Jesus's attention real quick. And they were both for good things. Now you say, how can this this funeral be a good thing? Well, it was what he was going to do at the funeral. It's kind of like one preacher said, Jesus never attended a funeral. At least when he got there, it stopped being a funeral. Because he raised the dead, and that's pretty handy. That Jesus would go to a funeral and and raise a loved one from the dead. That's that's pretty neat. But this widow, she got his, his attention, and so did that centurion. But there's something about this woman. It says that uh, he's headed in there. He's got the attention. Verse 12 says it describes this. They were at the, the gate of the city. And it says an old English word. You know, they're carrying the, the, the buyer beer, ever how you want to say that. And it basically it means the coffin. Okay, they're carrying the coffin, if you will. It's like a big cot. And uh, they put, they wrapped and embalmed the body the best they could, depending on uh, what they had uh, access to. There was this this woman, and she, we know several things about her. Number one, it says that this was her only son, and she was a widow, which means now that she's all alone. Right now, let me go ahead and say this, and uh, you'll, we'll see in just a second how that uh, this really hit Jesus. I mean, he, he saw this woman, and the Bible says he was moved with compassion. Now, there's many verses in the Bible that says that God has a very special place in his heart for two groups of people. And that's widows and orphans. Because both groups do not have anybody to represent them. They don't have an advocate. They don't have somebody to look out after them. And especially here, not only now, as she has already lost her husband, now what has she lost? She has lost her only son. Now, of course, we know that it... She's probably not rich. She's a widow already. Before, and listen, they didn't, women didn't have a lot of rights in those days. And so she's without a husband. She probably doesn't have a whole lot of possessions. But notice the Bible says that there was a great group of people with her. Which, that, that's pretty neat. That obviously this woman, that she had a lot of people that cared about her, that that really loved her, much people of the city was with her. I want you to head now to thinking about this crowd. There's another uh, instance that this happened. Another lady that was raised from the dead by the name of Tabitha. And uh, matter of fact, the word Tabitha means gazelle. One uh, just uh, likes to just uh, joyful. There's a joyfulness there. And Acts chapter 9 Verse 37, this story occurs here. And we find out her name there in in verse 36. 
a certain disciple, a follower of the Lord named Tabitha, which is by interpretation Dorcas, verse 37. And it came to pass, there in Acts 9, 37, it came to pass in those days that she was sick and she died. And when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. And for as much as Lydia was nigh to Joppa, the disciples had heard that Peter was there, and they sent unto him two men desiring that he would come and not delay to come to them. Then Peter arose and went with them, and when he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas, now that was her surname, both of them meant gazelle. Uh, Dorcas was also called uh, Tabitha. And uh, <clears throat> the uh, Dorcas is just the Greek for the same. But it says the garments which Dorcas made, which she made with them. Matter of fact, if you keep reading the story in verse 40, Peter put them all forth, kneeled down and prayed and turning to the body and said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her up her eyes and Peter so, and she saw Peter and she sat up. Well, <clears throat> that, that's very interesting because we have this, kind of the same situation here. We have a lady and Peter raises this lady from the, from the gra- grave. But notice all the people that was around her. She evidently was a very compassionate person and somebody that got Peter and the other people's attention. Now listen to me very closely. How many of us may be like this woman? You, now think about this. Now you can have a positive impact on your friends and your family. Do you draw other people closer to the Lord? Are you a good example? Are you a good role model? And that's what we have here in both of these cases. So this troubling funeral was that this was a woman who did not deserve to be all alone. This was a woman who was facing tough times. And it was looking pretty bleak until Jesus showed up. Now, I don't know about you and your life, and you may be going through tough times. You may feel all alone. You may feel like you have no friends. You may feel like that, you know, have I represented the Lord? Have I lived for the Lord? Have I made choices that have painted me into a corner? Listen, if you're saved, you're not all alone. You do have Jesus. And a lot of times this world, the Bible says that Jesus felt all alone. Matter of fact, he didn't even own a home. I was reading a a story uh, this week. Uh, It's a great book. If you're a reader and you love to read a good book, I'm going to check and see if we have it at the library. It's a true story about an East Texas art dealer, art broker, named Ron Hall and a homeless black man uh, by the, his name just left me, Ron Hall, Denver Moore. And uh, anyway, and the name of the book is Same Kind of Different as Me. And basically what it is, it's it's a great story of forgiveness and grace. And Ron Hall is married to a very solid Christian lady, and he has an affair on his wife. And his wife, being a solid Christian lady... He is blown away that he, she offers him forgiveness and grace and mercy after the affair. And he's so blown away, he says, I, I, I need to do anything I can to make it up. He said, you're going to get more involved in 
And I really have a burden for this mission point downtown Fort Worth. And uh, I want you to come down there and help volunteer. We're going to help the homeless. We're going to feed the homeless. And, and I've just, I really have a feeling that we're going to meet somebody that's going to change Fort Worth. And uh, anyway, lo and behold, if they didn't meet him, and he's a homeless man that lives across the street, down the road a little piece across the street from this church. And uh, long story short, uh, they get together, and he offers some. This fellow's never been to a lick of school Grew up on a plantation, spent time in Angola down in Louisiana, and uh, he told him one time, and I say he, the homeless black guy named uh, Denver Moore, he told him one time, he said, uh, Ron, Mr. Ron, he said, how come y'all white folk, y'all going to that uh church over there and y'all worship one homeless man and y'all come out and you ignore the homeless man across the street he said he didn't know what to say to him but we do we worship a homeless man he was homeless while he was here on earth matter of fact he said later on he was going to build us a home so that we could have a heavenly home great story about mercy and forgiveness and grace, if you don't, if you have, if you're a reader, make sure you get it and read it. Made an impact on that story. Made an impact on that fellow named Ron Hall. Matter of fact, that, by the way, Ron Hall and Denver Moore, they ended up having such an impact and speaking engagements. They also had uh, supper uh, one evening with the President of the United States. At that particular time, was uh, President Bush and Miss Laura Bush. And uh, so, neat, neat story. Making an impact on Jesus. This uh, woman made an impact upon Jesus, and uh, he saw her, the Bible says in verse 13, saw her, he had compassion on her, and he told her to weep not. Now, this is the second time in as many days that somebody's got Jesus' attention. Who was the first one? The centurion. Matter of fact, Jesus was so blown away. I mean, think about this compliment. If Jesus could give you a compliment, what would it be this morning? You know what Jesus said about the centurion? I have not seen anybody had any faith like this guy. No, not in Israel. You read it. It's right there in your Bible in the previous verses. And then he goes down here, and just the next day he sees this woman, and she's a widow, and she's all alone. She doesn't have anything to offer Jesus except herself. And Jesus says, oh, no, 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 not on my watch. And he, he has compassion on her, you know, and this was a moment. He wasn't, and you know, you could say that uh, Jesus knew this was going to happen, but really and truly, this was a compassion moment. I don't think Jesus said, hey, we need to speed up so I can accidentally meet this funeral here, and I know what's going to happen, and I'll have this opportunity. You know, he might have knew that that was going to happen, but he didn't have to plan it. And so you and me, you and I, whenever we're living our Christian life, you know what you and I need to do? We need to be on the lookout for what I call compassion moments. There's gonna, there's always a moment, one day, one week, that you can be compassionate to others. That you can offer, and compassion means this, I care, but I care enough to do something. 
That's compassion. Uh, you say, I care about people, but if we don't ever do anything, we don't. We say, I have compassion. Compassion is caring in action. And it says, he saw her, he had compassion on her, and then he told her to not cry. Wait a second. You know, I don't know about you, but us guys, and you're trying to talk to a lady. I don't know about, there's maybe a guy in here that knows how to say the right things. But I, I never know, I'm definitely not Mr. Eloquent. And I really don't know how to always say the right things. I say things and it may come. Have you ever said something and it just came out all wrong? Or you said something and you didn't think about it before you said it. And it sure didn't work very well. And y'all know that once you say something, is there a rewind button? No, there's not, is there? But. This is very interesting. Think about this. Jesus is telling this woman, she's who's just lost her only son. And he's trying to be helpful. He says, don't cry. Don't cry. There's a verse that relates to this. And it's found in uh, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. And it says, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. In other words, he is touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are yet without sin, which means Jesus knows your pain this morning. Jesus knows, knows what you're going through. You know, God lost a son. And so there's, there's people in our church that have lost children and, Say this, God knows. God knows and understands. Now, it's hard for me to relate the two, but I know He knows. We really can't, you know, we say, well, all I really need is somebody to sit beside me in a hug right now or whatever. But God knows whatever you may be going through. You're not alone. He had good news, and that is, I'm pissing to raise your son back from, the, back from the grave. We also have good news, and that is how that you can have eternal life through Jesus Christ. Now, let's move on to the next point. I need to deal with it quickly. Jesus raises the dead. Of course, in verse 14, he, he tells the young man, young man, he basically he touches the coffin. He gets them to stop so he could speak to the Dead individual, and he says, young man, I say unto thee, arise. Now, this is, uh, and I put in there, and I think I have it in your bulletin and whatnot, that this is great, but this is temporary. This is very, very interesting. Uh, and, I, and I put, think about this. Jesus, it's recorded that Jesus raised three people from the grave. But you know what happened to those three people? They all died again. And did you know that, think right now, what if uh, preachers had the, like the apostle, there was an overlapping, there was a time period, I believe, for miracles done through men. Now, I believe God can still do a miracle. He can do all the miracles He wants to because He's God. Okay? But there was a time that 
God worked through men to do miracles. And the reason being, we'll get to that in a second, why were there, was there a purpose for miracles? One purpose of miracles is that you could know that the person speaking was from God. And we'll see that in the Scriptures in just a second. But think about this. Say there was still miracles being done through men and that I could do them. But think about this. If I could heal everybody with cancer or if you were just super saint, powerful prayer warrior and everybody you prayed for that had cancer gets, gets healed of cancer, guess what's still going to happen to them? They're still going to die. Because the Bible says, and this is not in our outline or anywhere, but the Bible says in Hebrews 9, 27, And as it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. We're all going to die. Even Jesus died. And guess what? If you're saved, we'll all live again. And so this was great, but it was temporary. You see, Jesus' purpose was not to heal people. Jesus' purpose was not to say, I came so that I could heal your cancer. I came so that I could raise your children from the dead if they died too early so that they could take care of you in your older age. I came to do miracles. No, He didn't. The great summary of the gospel is found in Luke 19.10, which says, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. That's the purpose of miracles, excuse me, the purpose that Jesus came. Not to do miracles. The miracles was just to show that I am the Son of God. I can do what I say. I can do what I promise to do. But He came to save the lost. So the real thing is, is that there's only one kind of eternal life, and one day He's going to raise a bunch of people from the dead. There's going to be a rapture one day. It's really going to happen. Did you know right then, at the rapture, whenever it occurs, we were talking about it during Sunday school, but there's going to be, did you know, basically, there's going to be a bunch of bodies come back to life. The Bible says the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord. Will you be ready for that day? That you may know the purpose of miracles. And uh, he, he spoke to the dead. The dead sat up. He said, here you go, Mom. That's verse 15. Verse 16. Country boy version of verse 16. <laughs> wow. This fella is incredible. He's got to be from God. He's, uh, he's amazing. And then, of course, everybody started, verse 17, everybody started telling the story everywhere. <clears throat> Matthew 9, 6 says this, and think, think why, that you may know that there's some things that he wants us to know. And the Word of God says this, <clears throat> but that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He told the sick of the palsy, arise, take up thy bed. And go into thine house. Basically, miracles were, were to give proof that Jesus was who he said he was. Lastly, in closing, John chapter 20 and verse 29, the Word of God says this. 
Jesus said unto, unto him, Thomas, <clears throat> you, you've seen me and you believed. Blessed are they that have not seen yet have believed. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in the book. But these are written that you might what? That you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. It says he did all these signs in verse 30 in the presence of his disciples. Jesus never snuck off somewhere and just did one on his own. He did them for a reason. To show that he was who he said he was. I want to ask you this morning. Do, do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Are you ready for him to come back again? Are you living a life that's a good example before others? As we prepare for our hymn invitation. As Brother Norman and our musicians get ready. I want to ask you to, to live for today. Say, I need to live for the Lord each and every day. I need to put Him first. I need to make some changes so that He's the most important thing in my life. Father, I ask that You would just help us right now, that Your Holy Spirit would just lead us and guide us. And dear Lord, if there's somebody here and they're not saved and they've never received You as their personal Savior... I pray that they'd ask you to save them right now, realizing that they're a sinner, realizing that you are their Savior. You died and rose again so that we could have eternal life. Father, I thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.